0: I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence, and you're listening to the IBS Views podcast. With me is Phil Weisberg, EVP at One We're talking about the FX industry, the foreign exchange industry. Phil, how is the FX market changing at the moment?
1: The FX industry has been going through pretty substantial change over, I would say, the last decade or so, moving from what was primarily a manual human voice market to something that is fully electronic. And over the last few years, the the biggest change has been in the automation of what were previously some of the more difficult aspects of trading, handling more difficult market situations, handling more complex order types handling execution in currency pairs and instruments that previously were more difficult to automate. I think it's been a thorough transition. Of course, one of the benefits that the marketplace has gotten through the automation is all of the market-making institutions can be a lot more thoughtful about how they're forming their prices how they're hedging their risk to ensure that those processes are in compliance with current market regulatory standards and industry guidelines like the FX global code.
0: If the market's already been automating, is there any problem with legacy systems or have they already all been ditched?
1: What we're seeing in the market is that some of the systems that may have been built for purpose, say after the financial crisis, need to be re-examined because market data rates have really sped up quite substantially. So back around the financial crisis a little over 10 years ago, it was common for market data to update two or three times a second. And most of the markets have moved to market data rates that update at least as frequently as 100 times a second. And many of them update closer to 10,000 times a second. So if you think about the complexity and the throughput that's required to handle all of that market data, and make intelligent decisions about what's happened you know basically you're talking about two to three orders of magnitude speed in order to to do that the the other thing that that necessitates is that whatever system processing or signal processing that you have has to be very very close to the places where markets are formed so We've seen uh, a huge migration from having these algorithms operate on site at the market maker to having those algorithms operate very close to those data centers that are effectively the locus
0: where all transactions are taking place. Is this just a technology issue or are there other changes afoot in the marketplace as well? I think you touched on some of them.
1: I would say there's a shift between the willingness of market participants to use third-party technology to accomplish those objectives. Back when the decision-making machinery could operate 10,000 times slower, these were system designs and uh, system implementations that could be handled by many financial institutions. But as the market has gotten faster and faster and faster. Things really, really matter from a performance perspective and you need dedicated engineering talent who specializes in high throughput, high performance uh, architecture. So what many institutions have chosen to do is to leave that part of the design to third-party vendors and instead to focus their own energy on how the algorithm should work. So leaving the machinery and the infrastructure to third parties, recognizing that their secret sauce, so to speak, is how they construct their pricing and their hedging algorithms. And that's a change that we at 1.0 have looked to support our customers with.
0: But there's a, a change in the marketplace as well, not just in that but also in the coming of new instruments i'm thinking and maybe i'm wrong in this but i'm thinking of the cryptocurrencies i'm thinking of the non-fungible tokens because all these things have got to be plugged into the fx market as well at some point
1: right now what we see is essentially a dichotomy between players who are willing to assume the risks Inherent with handling those instruments and players who are not willing to assume those risks. So, we do a reasonable amount of business where our clients, our brokers are familiar with the regulatory structure associated with CFDs in the countries where CFDs are legal. And many of the crypto market makers have adapted to effectively transform cash crypto prices into CFD prices to allow them to be distributed to a greater uh, variety of customers. And those crypto market makers also have learned how to serve those prices up in not just dollar denominations, but also currency denominations. So if you want to see Bitcoin prices in yen or euros or sterling or Swiss francs, those market makers often undertake the effort to do that transformation on behalf of the clients.
0: Not just a, a pair, but a triple.
1: Yeah, that that's correct. And that requires that those crypto market makers essentially have, you know, one foot in both camps they need to be able to interface with the fiat marketplace in order to do those currency conversions. And at the same time, they need to be able to interface with the crypto uh, marketplaces to defease those risks. Really, for our broker customers who offer CFDs to to their clients, they don't really need to concern themselves with the idiosyncrasies about how all of that is done. That is done by the market makers on uh, OneZero's ecosystem on behalf of our customers.
0: Is this going to be a growing marketplace though still because there are other, I hesitate to, to call them cryptocurrencies, but we have talk now of central bank digital currencies. We have talks of stable coins. We seem to have a whole new class of currencies coming to the market.
1: It's very interesting in terms of how these new instruments are categorized. In many cases, they don't really fit the definition of a currency per se, because of the inherent volatility and the cost of executing transactions. Some of them certainly exhibit or have the potential to exhibit some of the characteristics of stores of value, but it's it's certainly very interesting in the last several months where we've seen inflation start to pick up. And yet we've seen a price decline among the cryptocurrencies. I think the next few years are going to be quite interesting as these basically private market innovations start to compete with central bank digital currencies. You know, of course, it's going to be very hard to compete with the ubiquity of let's say, a US dollar or a Japanese yen or a euro. And the attempts to effectively digitize those currencies could have, over time, really profound impacts in lowering transaction costs. So I think we're now, over the next five or 10 years, going to start to see the marketplace that evolved independently of regulation start to compete with digital assets that are being offered that start being fully regulated and therefore fit more easily into the existing financial system. It'll be interesting to see what becomes the leader at at that point. But through those new innovations, which are sponsored by governments, those have the potential actually to lower Transaction costs substantially and speed up the settlement process for the entire industry, which would take out a whole bunch of risk, settlement risk globally. But I think those changes, I think we're in the very, very early stages of those changes industry wide.
0: Let me round up then by coming back to the issue of technology. You mentioned speed there. You also earlier mentioned the movement of algorithms so that they were closer to to the market. And you started off by saying that any system that was put in place after the financial crisis now needs to be revisited. Is the life cycle of the market technology getting shorter? I believe the life cycle is getting
1: shorter. The other characteristic that people have to deal with, of course, as the market data rates go up, is all of these systems throw off orders of magnitude more data that can be analyzed for many financial institutions they never really get beyond the step of how do i record all of that data where do i put it one of the innovations that we have brought to the market that we embarked on several years ago was automatically recording all of the data elements that come into and leave our clients' hubs in the public cloud for them. So should they have a need later on down the road to analyze data, either of their price sources or of the prices that they made to the clients, we have that treasure trove of data available to them and all they need to do is ask us to enable them to access it so one of the initiatives that we took on is we said we'll bear the cost of recording all this data for all of our clients because we are going to take the bet that over time they're all going to want the data and they'll be relieved to know that when that time comes all they need to do is order it up so When they want to start their analytics projects, they're able to start them with multiple years of data that we've stored on their behalf, which should dramatically increase their time to market in order to uh, get going using that data to make improvements to both their pricing strategies and their hedging
0: strategies. Phil Weisberg, EVP10, thank you very much indeed.